obviously it's very challenging and you go through points, but I really just is like, I'm in Antarctica. When am I ever going to be here? I'm running a marathon, doing something I love. There's penguins around. Oh my God, really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what? Yeah. That's insane. Welcome, endurance enthusiasts. I'm your host, Bruna. And I'm your host, Fabi. You're tuning into Human Endurance, the podcast where we aim to inspire you with stories of achievement, motivation, and self-fulfillment. We'll connect you with humans pushing boundaries, breaking barriers, and discovering the joy of endurance sports. Join us on this journey of self-reflection and personal growth. Let's go the distance together. Welcome to Human Endurance. Today we have our very first episode with our first guest, Kate. Kate is 31 years old. She's originally from Texas and lives in New York City at the moment. She works full-time as an account manager for AWS, Amazon Web Services, And from 2012 to 2022, within this 10-year span, she has accomplished an incredible achievement. She has done not only seven marathons, but she did those seven marathons in all the seven continents. She started off in Europe in 2012 with the Edinburgh Marathon. Then in 2017, she did the Great Wall of China Marathon in Asia. In 2018, she went to South America and did the Marathon de Santiago. And then 2019, she did two marathons. First one in Africa, the Big Five Marathon. Then the famous New York City Marathon in America. <laughs> and then very exotic location, Antarctica Marathon in 2022. And then the same year, she finished it off with the Sydney Marathon and got all the continents done. Incredible. <laughs> Welcome to Human Endurance Cave. Let's jump right into it. We want to dive a bit deeper into this achievement that you've accomplished. I mean, I haven't even been to all of the continents, <laughs> let alone half of them. And doing a marathon in all of those locations, it's very inspiring wow. and a great achievement. How do you come up with doing that? <laughs> What yeah. is your motivation of, first of all, the marathon part? doing seven of them and then also deciding to do them across the world and especially in locations that are very hard to get to like Antarctica. So I guess I'll start from the beginning. I fell into running when I was 15. I joined the cross country team in Dallas when I was a sophomore in high school and I really just fell into running at that point in my life and I carried on throughout the rest of high school and went abroad to university at University of St. Andrews. I decided to sign up for my first marathon in Edinburgh. I thought it would be a good way to achieve a goal or set a goal and run in a new city. So I signed up. I trained all spring through it. It was in May of 2012. I loved the training process. I really loved the race day. And when I crossed that finish line, I really had that feeling of wanting more. And I decided <laughs> I should keep doing this. And I thought about it. I wanted to do something in honor of my grandfather, who was actually the first person to summit all seven continents, like the highest peak on all seven continents, including Mount Everest, which is a huge accomplishment. Oh, wow. So he was the first person to ever go on all 
the yeah. seven summits. Yeah, he was the first person to do it. And he's from Dallas and he just set this goal and did it across a number of years. But when he summited Everest, he was actually the oldest person at that time to summit. So he was quite an adventurer, like a goal setter. And I definitely have his spirit. When I ran that first marathon, I was like, what can I do in honor of him? I've always like really had a close bond with my grandfather. He's passed away now, but I definitely have his travel bug, his adventure bug. So I wanted to do something to honor him. And I thought, why not run a marathon in every continent? I had thought previously I would love to do the summits. My parents are a little against that idea because it can be quite <laughs> dangerous. So I was like, this is a perfect way to honor my grandfather, stay active, see the world, which as you can probably already tell from going from St. Andrews pre-university to Dallas, I really love traveling and experiencing different places. I was 20 years old when I ran my first marathon. So I decided I'll do it in my 20s. I'll set a timeline so that I have at least something to reach. So I think like setting goals is really important. But that's how it came about. And I stuck to it. It was an incredible journey. That's incredible. And also this the story behind of your grandfather. It's very unique. So you said you were pretty close with him. Yeah. Did he experience you running the marathons? And did he know about this? He sadly passed away from pulmonary fibrosis, which is a genetic lung disease, which was kind of ironic. And he didn't know he had it until he actually went, tried to go back to climb Everest, I think when he was 75. And he really? got it. <laughs> yes. He wanted to become the oldest person. <laughs> And he couldn't make it up in that when he found out that he had this lung disease. So it's a genetic lung disease. But he passed away 2015. I had told him about it, but I'm sure that he's looking down. And I know that he would have been proud. He was a big writer. He loved reciting poetry. There were a lot of sayings I would write down and recite to myself when I was running the marathons. And I really felt his spirit. My siblings came with me on a few of the marathons. Some of them ran them. Some of them did the half or some just came to cheer me on. And I remember when I was in Africa, I went with my brother Mason and he actually got a whole recording of my grandfather and gave it to me oh. before the run. And so that was like really special. That I listened to it and I had him with me on the run. So that was great. That almost makes me cry. Yeah. It's very touching. Yeah, it's really touching. Can you share oh. some of the sayings that your grandfather used to say that you took with you on these races? Yeah, so I think the biggest one is what the mind wills, the body follows. That was something he always said. And his name was Dick Bass. He called it a bassism. So that's, <laughs> that was my favorite. I think that when you're in a race, obviously your body goes through so much. And I think there's a lot of times when you can like tell yourself that you can't do it anymore. But I think if you tell your body that you can or like your mind tells your body will follow it's a very beautiful one because i think we all doing endurance sport can relate your mind tells you i can do this i can do this and you realize your body actually can achieve those things if you put in the work did he also share with you some other mental strategies when things get hard how to push through he was a big businessman he actually was a ski resort developer so he was really busy when he started climbing mountains. He was like really busy and it was his way of dealing with anxiety and stresses of starting his own business. He used mountain climbing as his outlet. And when he started, he wasn't in the most incredible shape for climbing these mountains. It was more of 
really truly what his mind could do. But he always just said one foot in front of the other. That's all he thought about when he was scaling these mountains. The first one that he climbed was Denali in Alaska. And he really struggled on that one. I think he hadn't done that type of climbing before. And he just the whole time was thinking one foot in front of the other. And I think that translates a lot to running. If you really just focus on that and getting one step ahead, then all of a sudden you're at the top of the mountain or you're at the finish line. He was just a super inspiring person and never gave up. When people told him that he couldn't do something, that gave him even more energy to go accomplish that. So I think throughout my life that you got to take out the noise and follow your dreams. And that was something that he definitely inspired me to do. I think often there's other people that try to put boundaries on you, right? Mm -hmm. Saying, oh, you cannot do that. You can yourself know what you're capable of doing and it's not somebody else that can impose that on you, right? Yeah, exactly. And if you reach a point where you can't do it for some reason or you end up not accomplishing it, you learn from it. So I think you just have to follow. Not every race is going to be your best or you're not always going to succeed. But I think if you're passionate about something, you should follow it. And if it doesn't go the way that you had planned initially, think got in the way of your training plan, it just It inspires you to try again and learn from that. For sure. Let's go back to your challenge of the seven marathons. How did you sign up for this challenge? Is it like an official thing to do? Do you have to commit to doing those seven marathons or you just do one by one and then eventually get a certificate? When I came up with the idea, I didn't know that it was a thing. I didn't know that other people had done it. I met people along the way that also were wanting to achieve this goal. I ended up finding out there's a company called Marathon Tours and Travel that put on the Antarctica Marathon that actually you can join their travel tour group, be a member of it. And They keep record of all the people that have done seven marathons on seven continents or seven half marathons on seven continents. They honored that it was my seventh continent and we did this ceremony and then I got a medal for it. So it's a mix. It was a mix of doing it on my own, but also realizing other people are accomplishing this goal and you can yeah. I ended up getting a medal for it, which was really cool. And was that organized like in Sydney itself? Like when you crossed the finish line, did they give you it two was medals? After. Yes, we went to award ceremony. Marathon Tours and Travel puts it on on every marathon that they do. If it's someone's seventh marathon, then you get a medal. But I forget what the stat is. There's fewer people than you would imagine. I need to look it up, but how many women or men? have completed it uh, yeah i was gonna ask that is it like a hundred <laughs> or like a I thousand <laughs> i might be totally wrong i think for women it might be in the 200 and maybe men it's in the 700 i could be wrong but it's not like a crazy number it's few yeah yeah because if you consider people just running marathons you have thousands of people at the start line right and many marathons over, all over the world i feel like not a lot of people would be down to go to antarctica yeah. <laughs> That's a hard one. Going back to how you chose the races, right? So you said Edinburgh, you studied in St. Andrews. Edinburgh is pretty close, right? I guess yeah. that's that was the reason. Yeah. How did you choose the other races? Yeah, actually, there was one race in between. I did two in the U.S. This 2013, I did D.C. with my sister. I think I you did. also maybe did one, did one, Bruna, the D.C. one. 
I did was Marine Corps, which was in D.C. What I remember from that race is that they gave the ugliest shirt ever. Finish a shirt I haven't worn once. It's really, wow. That's what stands out, which is funny. (laughs) funny. So, yeah, that was the another city marathon that I did. I did it. Because my sister's a big runner too, and she wanted to do a marathon. We did that one together. And then after that, the Great Wall of China, she came with me on that one as well, which was really fun. I just did research on what are really adventurous marathons. And I read a lot about this. The one on the Great Wall of China was on the Great Wall. Like you start off, you run up it, and then you get to a point where you're in like a rural village that you run around and then you run back around it i've never been to china but i've seen pictures of the wall and it's very steep yes very you're crawling at point it was very hot and luckily we're from texas so we're a little bit used to (laughs) the heat but when we finished it was 110 degrees fahrenheit which is over 40 degrees celsius it was wild did you do that during summer we did it in may i think it was like an unfortunately hot day, they recommended for a lot of people to drop down to the half because it was going to be so hot. But you were like, no, I have to do this. (laughs) I want to do the full one. (laughs) Yeah, we traveled all that way. And we were both like people that we were like, we got this. And it was such an incredible adventure. It was really, and it's really special to do it with my sister. We stayed together the whole time. And Because a lot of these marathons, we hadn't been focused really on time. I really was focused on the journey of it and enjoying it. It's also always nice to run with somebody, those races, for sure. Yeah, sometimes I like to run with people, I think, on those. But when you're trying to achieve your own time, then you got to be with yourself and run at your own pace. So it's fun to do both, I feel like. I did once with a friend of mine, and we're we're actually going to have her on the podcast coming soon. When the Boston Marathon was canceled because of COVID, Mm -hmm. you had to run a race on your own, right? If you were crazy enough to be like, okay, I guess I will do something to get the Boston shirt. That was what I thought about as like the benefit from it. Plus the fact (laughs) that I had been training, right? Mm -hmm. And it was really cool because... We had to set up our own route, and that's the only marathon that I've done completely with somebody. And it's such a different experience. We really get to share those moments with somebody. And it's so special because the feeling that you have at kilometer 30, that's something else. And having somebody that you know is doing the exact same thing with you and feeling probably very similar is really cool. So yeah, can relate to that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And how was it so... Aren't there also tourists there on the Great Wall? And you just ran past them or how does it work? (laughs) I'm pretty sure that they were able to block it off for the marathon. The the wall is huge. It like spans across China. So they blocked off like a segment of it, like how they block off for a marathon in a city or anywhere. How many people were doing that race roughly? Do you know? 800 to 1,000 in total. It wasn't huge but it wasn't tiny like the Antarctica Marathon was. It felt bigger, but it didn't feel like a huge city marathon, like running New York or even Edinburgh was a lot bigger than that. Mm. I now want to dive a bit into the one in Africa, which you said it was also an adventure marathon, right? Yeah. How was that experience? The game wizard was called Entebeni. I think it means one of the mountain, which I thought was like 
symbiotic. I feel like running in a game reserve and the mountains are super special for me and my family and obviously my grandfather. It was really cool and I didn't know that's what it meant. And I truly, I didn't really realize we were like running up the mountain. <laughs> that was a surprise to me a little. You didn't know the route would be uphill. I knew it would be hilly, but I didn't really realize we'd be like running up the mountain. Oh, but oh I, my God. <laughs> but I do a lot of hiking, so it was okay in the end. And it was so beautiful. Like when you're, I don't know if either of you've been to Africa, but when you're on a game reserve, you're just with the people there, you're with the land and the animals. And they had like people out early making sure that there weren't like wild animals that were going to interfere with the run. But obviously you're running on a game reserve. So there were all sorts of am animals around. They just had people to monitor to make sure that they weren't getting close to the runners. A funny Whoa. story from that marathon is, at mile 26, when you started running up to it, you saw people stopping and getting into the safari cars. And we realized that there was an elephant stampede 0.2 miles before the finish line. The elephant's part of the big five, right? The yeah. big fives are the animals, like the most dangerous one. Yeah. I remember that. Stay away yeah. from them. It was quite an experience. When would you have to stop your marathon for an elephant? It made yeah. the marathon, like being a big five marathon, just that much cooler that you had that story to yeah. to tell after. And and we ended up being able to finish. How big was that race? Was it also rather small? I think it was bigger than Antarctica, smaller than the Great Wall of China. Nice. Let's go to Antarctica because I think that's one where the listeners will be also particularly interested and us, of course, as well. How does that work getting there? racing there i heard antarctica was really hard to get into i think there was a five-year wait list or something i got into 2021 and that got canceled because of covid so then i got into the 2022 marathon and i signed up through marathon tours and travel they started the antarctica marathon in 1995 so it's a marathon that's put on solely through them. They're the only Antarctica marathon. But yeah, so I got on the wait list. I luckily got in 2022 and I couldn't convince anyone to come down with me. <laughs> I tried to get my brother. He said no. And then when I started dating my now fiance, he tried to get in as like a spectator and they didn't have any room on the list. So I went on my own, which was a really cool experience. You met everyone in Buenos Aires, and then after a day or two of being there, we took a flight down to Ushuaia, which is the southernmost city in the world. And then you take a two-day boat journey through the Drake's Passage, which is the roughest water in the world. That must have been not so comfortable. Some people handle it better than others. I found that it was really tough for me, and because I didn't come with anyone, I was matched with a roommate. We both struggled through those two days together. And at the time, it was Omicron. So we couldn't leave our cabins oh. because they were very, it was very touch and go whether we were going to be able to do the trip. They were testing us every single day because if someone got COVID on the boat, then like it could spread to everyone and the crew. And then everyone's very sick and you're in the middle of the ocean Nowhere. in Antarctica. Yeah. Unfortunately, there were like, I think there were two people on the boat that got COVID that they had to quarantine. They couldn't run the marathon. They had to quarantine for the whole 10 oh. days. But they were testing us every day to make sure that you didn't get it. They had a very strict way of making sure it didn't spread. 
that made it a little hard. We were in our cabins for two days. They would deliver food at the door, but we couldn't leave. It was like a tiny cabin. That's crazy with somebody that you just met some days before. <laughs> you were honestly kindred spirits. So it was really fun. Well, we weren't feeling very well, but I felt very lucky that we met and we got along and she was just, she had a great energy about her and was also in her 20s and loved running marathons and traveling. We did the boat ride. We got to Antarctica where no one lives there. So you're on a boat, you're docked on the boat. You're like living on the boat the whole way. How can I imagine that? Is it like all just ice? <laughs> the terrain is like muddy, snowy, icy, and there's only really like research centers there. So there's no hotels. No one lives there unless you're doing research there. It's a, what you'd imagine just icebergs everywhere. Just a huge glacier or multiple yeah. glaciers. I don't know. Multiple glaciers. Exactly. To me, what is worst, maybe, I don't know if it's worst, but one bad thing that came to my mind is the situation of the two people that went through, like they trained for this and then I they know. went on the boat and then they got sick and then yeah. they're not allowed to do it. I know. Oh my God. And my heart aches for them. If your roommate had it, then you had to also quarantine with them. And you would get it automatically. Yeah, but I actually had a lucky golden stamp. I got Omicron two weeks before I left. Actually, my roommate was the same. We were able to not have the anxiety of it. No one wants to get COVID, but it was so rampant. Everyone was getting it. Especially in this most important race in your life where you travel so far. Yeah, pay yeah. a lot of money. But the company, Marathon Tours and Travel is great. Anyone that ended up in that situation, they made sure that they got on another race and were able to come back if they wanted to. So you understood. They had to be safe about it. So then you go to Argentina and then you travel to Ushuaia, you take the boat, you yeah. go through the rough waters yeah, and then you're getting off the boat and then yeah. the marathon starts or how yeah. can we imagine the situation? We got to close by where the marathon was going to be. We docked the boat that night and then the next morning you're running and you're in different waves. It was on like a small piece of land. You take a little tiny charter boat there and there were different waves of people going. They couldn't have too many people on the course at the time. And also they needed to manage it because if you were on outside for too long, you could get frostbite. It was very cold. The land was hilly, muddy, icy, snowy, water pocket. People were getting stuck in the mud. You're like trying to <laughs> people out. There's obviously no bathrooms or anything they put up their own little flags they had people along the route you had to carry your own water you carried your own gels you had to have everything on I actually had water things I carried in my hands that I put along the course so when I first started I dropped water in places so I could come and have a sip of water I was wearing three layers of clothes I bought a lot of things from on actually which I know that You guys both love to wear. You needed to wear things that were warm, but also breathable. I love wearing Hoka shoes. So I wore Hoka shoes that were waterproof and that were built for like ice and snow. They weren't yeah. spikes, but they were built for this kind of course. So there was grip on them and they worked really well. I had hat, glove. I mean, as you can imagine, it's freezing. But when you start Cold. running, you warm up. Your body temperature went through a lot of phases throughout. 
How was it? It's also six loops. It's also mentally challenging. It was going through your mind when you were go- being there in the muddy land and it was cold. I honestly, truly had so much fun. I'm not <laughs> kidding. Obviously, it's very challenging and you go through points, but I really just was like, I'm in Antarctica. When am I ever going to be here? I'm running a marathon, doing something I love. There's penguins around. Oh my God, really? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Oh, what? Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, and everyone there was like, you know, what was was nice is obviously you'd met a lot of people. Like there was only 200 people on the boat. And even though we were quarantined, we met people before in Buenos Aires and at like social distance. So when you're doing a loop, you pass people over and over again. So you're like cheering each other on and giving people high fives and there is a sense of just community community which was obviously you don't love to do six loops you guys have both run a lot it's it gets boring but I think the fact that you're in Antarctica made it so much cooler how did you prepare for that Kate how do you prepare to run on that cold and be in that kind of situation was there anything specific that you did there Obviously, New York is pretty cold in the winter. So I did some training runs with my shoes. I I spend a lot of time going out to ski and in the mountains. And I did some runs when I was in Utah and Colorado in the snow to prepare. Mm. I did some hill training on treadmills. I did a lot of outside running in the cold. I think that my time that I've spent in the mountains, I think, helped me a lot. And also with the hill terrain, because I've done a lot of hiking, my muscles were a little bit more prepared for that. For sure, that helps. And you've also done Everest Base Camp, right? Yeah, I've hiked up to Everest Base Camp. I've hiked Kilimanjaro as well, which was really fun. Now, from all those races that you've done, which one was the hardest physically? physically either the Great Wall of China or Antarctica. I think that just the nature of the freezing cold and the boiling hot weather in China (laughs) and also the terrain was really hilly. I think those were two of my longest marathons that you're out there on the course. I think the big five was also quite long as well just because it's very hilly but I think the Great Wall and Antarctica were the most physically taxing as I said I loved the Antarctica one but when you finished you felt your body temperature drop like they had to get you off that the piece of land onto the boat immediately because your body was gonna get frostbite it was freezing those are definitely probably the most challenging the temperature in Antarctica when you ran I think it was maybe 15 to 20 degrees Celsius, but it felt a lot colder. You know, when it's say it's windy. Yeah, it was windy. It was, it felt a lot colder than that. I think we got lucky with the weather. It wasn't as cold as it's been before, but it still felt very cold. I watched a documentary. We watched it together, Fabi, like a month ago about this guy who did an Ironman in Antarctica. Wow. Crazy. Only also the swim on the cold. I didn't even think of the swim. Completely, complete madness. But one of the things that he shares or that happens there is that the weather in Antarctica is so unpredictable and Mm -hmm. crazy that they always had to wait for a signal that oh okay now the next forty eight hours are doable. Did you experience anything like this? Yeah, they prepare you ahead of time that. If sometimes if the weather's bad, then you'll have to wait another day or two to do the marathon. We got lucky that the first day worked out that we were able to run, but a lot of times it gets postponed. And even sometimes I feel like probably 
people can't do it because they have to monitor the weather and they have to monitor the safety of the runners. It's very much touch and go and it's day to day. Mm. And which one of those races was the toughest mentally? Oh, I think probably the Great Wall of China. I think I mentioned earlier is the race course started, you start going up the Great Wall and then you hit a point where you exit and you're like in a rural a village in China. But the second half, the end of the race, you're going back up and it's even steeper. And I was worried about my legs giving out. I was living in London at the time and I tried to do some hill training and I would do step training at work in my lunch breaks. I would bring my backpack and go on <laughs> the fire oh, really? exit stairs. To train. No. Yes, because I didn't know how else to train for it. I was just nervous that my legs were going to give out on the, because you're so tired, obviously running a marathon alone. I think it was more of like nerve that I wasn't going to be able to finish it. So that was in my head. And I think also when you travel so far and you have this goal in mind, you're like, I just hope I can do it. I think it's like every marathon. Once you get to mile 20 or even half, sometimes I'm it's- like, okay, I got this. But you're like, your body feels okay. You can take it, but you never know. There's always a little bit of unknown. Like I didn't know with the weather, if I was not going to feel well or something. So I think that was the most mentally challenging. I think Antarctica, once the seasick stopped, once we were docked and once I started running, I felt good and excited. I knew I could do it. And I think I had more experience doing these adventure marathons by then. It's always great jitters and nerves that I know you guys have both experienced, I'm sure. It's also part of it, right? Being nervous, being yeah. mentally challenged. and But that's why you do it, right? Exactly. exactly. Part of the thrill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If one of our listeners wants to do a marathon in one of those continents, which one would you recommend? You can only choose one. And I think a city marathon, I'd choose New York. The crowds are just unbelievable. I think adventure, mm-hmm. I would choose Antarctica or the Great Wall of China. Bruno and I put them on the list now, so we're gonna <laughs> check it out. Yeah, China for sure. That's been on my list. Antarctica, I have to see. <laughs> I'm not the most adapted to a very frozen places. You have to really want to go, and I really wanted to go to make it worth it. If you're a little fifty-fifty on it, then I'd say choose something that you're super excited about. Yeah, absolutely right. Let's move to training. We want to know a bit more how you train in general. Obviously, I'm your coach now. I know what you've been doing lately, but I'm super yeah. curious. How were you training? This is a long span of time, right? You had university and then you started your career. And then I guess things got more busy. You moved cities. I know you're in London and then you're in New York. How did you train? How did you manage that all together over the years? Did you follow something specific? Did you have any kind of routine or was it more like just go for runs and see what happens? Yeah, so I started off my first marathon. I followed like a beginner marathon training plan and I really stuck to it because I think your first one, you're like, you want to make sure you can finish it. So I I did all the the mileage. I think I went up to like 22 miles before and I just I followed that training path. And then 
Throughout other ones, like before Bruna became my coach, I would create my own plans. Obviously, running in university and when you start working, it's hard to juggle it all. But I looked at it as it's going to be helpful with work as well, like mental clarity to just try to stick to a training plan. I tried to look at it as this is good. Like each week, it's a good journey for my health and it's going to eventually lead to accomplishing a goal. So that's what kept me motivated. I'm really big about listening to my body. If I'm not feeling great for a certain run, then maybe I'll wait a day. And I know it it doesn't always work when you have a really rigid training plan that you need to speak to. But I think because I wasn't set on a particular time, it was more about the goal. I tried to listen to my body and try to stick to at least doing the long runs in at least a couple short runs in the week. That was how I mapped it out. And, And Bruna's been super helpful with learning. I didn't even think about zone two and and building that up in my previous marathons. I think I'm lucky that I have good endurance. I've always had good endurance with hiking and skiing and I think it's in our blood that I knew I was always able to push through. But each marathon, I tried to improve and learn a little bit more about the training plan. Obviously, like hilly marathons, I tried to incorporate some hills and that different type of training in it. Yeah, for sure. Your background in mountaineering and hiking helps a lot with building this base endurance. Yeah. Yeah. Also the mindset, what you're talking about, like that you're very attuned to your body and you know the days to take off. That's key. What I see from my athletes is that a lot of times I have to be the one telling them, no, don't go on the run. And that takes some maturity, I think. It's probably why you've managed to run all these races, right? If you know the days to take off. Which is a good segue. Did you ever get injured? I've never got injured. I've been very lucky, but I think I never pushed it. Bruna knows this, but my next goal, I really want to qualify for Boston. And I'm at the beginning stages, but I know to get there, I need to push myself more and I need to get more rigid about the training plan. And it's something I'm trying to work on because it's hard to balance when you have a full-time job, you have social commitments. We're at the age where there's a lot of travel and things. And it's something, if you want to get to a goal, you really need to prioritize it. But I'm interested to see how my body does throughout the process of trying to avoid injury but training enough to get to the goal so I think it will be being on the limit yeah yeah pushing your body to the limits yeah Yeah. just for um the listeners that don't know too much about the Boston Marathon what is the qualifying time what what would that be for you it's under 3 30 but there's usually a cap time it depends on the year of how many people submit their times but I think you need to shave at least like three minutes off of that so you want to do under 327 yeah. Bruna correct me if I'm wrong but that's in my head I'm like 330 but I want to aim for 325 so that you can get into the you're absolutely yeah. right I've qualified before with 328 but you're just not guaranteed it depends on the field and how many people are applying yeah so Definitely 325, you get in. 328, I don't know. Um. Yeah. (laughs) But I think it's more about the goal. People that aren't big runners might not understand or feel that way. But that's just, for me, I'm like, okay, I have to accomplish this in my life at some point. I I definitely also have this goal to do that one. It'd be cool if we had the same year that we all could run together. We should maybe plan for that. (laughs) Boston is amazing. I think it's a very worthwhile goal. 
You're gonna qualify too. Yeah. I'm, I'm so confident. We were able to what, shave off 40 minutes off of your best marathon time when I trained you for yeah. six. I think I maybe shaved 20 minutes off. Yeah, um, that's incredible. I, I didn't even do all that I could do. That's why I feel like I can do it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You were traveling a lot, I remember. And yeah. I think now you're already being more consistent. And yeah. with endurance, the thing is that you can get so far by just going out and running and being consistent. And even though maybe you might think that you haven't been so consistent in the past few years, I mean, you've done these many marathons, you know. So in a way, overall, you have been consistent. So your aerobic pace is very much there. And mm-hmm. then we just have to fine tune a little bit the zones that we run in, making sure that you start doing a little bit more intervals and most definitely you're going to get there. I'm very confident. One other thing I wanted to add is something that uh, Bruna taught me mm-hmm. is to add in strength training. I never did mm. that before. And when I was training for Sydney last year, Bruna and Valerie helped me with a training plan. And I found that strength training has made me so much stronger overall. And it's, I think, really helped my running. I resonate with that a lot. I'm training now for the full distance triathlon. Now I have 16 hours of training per week. And when things got too messy and my calendar was too full, I always didn't do the strength because I was like, that's not part of the three disciplines. And I realized in past races that I really suffered from that because I felt weak when I got tired, especially in this long endurance stuff, because eventually you're so tired. And if your muscles don't have the strength, it's hard. So now I'm really trying twice a week at least to do the strength. And I I do feel stronger. It helps a lot. It's a huge difference. I also have a similar background. Like I didn't do strength uh, for most of my running career. And when I did was when I PR'd on a marathon. So I do think overall your body feels stronger and suddenly you can push way more. Your muscles are just adapted. Now, Kate, you're so experienced, right? You've done all these races. Do you have any specific routines that you do when you're racing like anything specific that you do during race week or race day that you find that is useful to help with your performance yeah so I think like leading up to the race I really try to let my body rest like I might do a few little runs just to keep going but I really try to prioritize sleep healthy eating one or two days like start with carbo loading but not overdoing it I'm not like I think that some people are like, oh, I got to eat all this stuff. (laughs) I have a very sensitive (laughs) stomach, so I eat what I've eaten over the many races, just pasta with tomato sauce and keep it, keep it bland. And champions meal. (laughs) Yeah. And morning, I I love, I always eat bananas, like with almond butter and maybe some toast. I love to use gels when I run. I think they're so helpful when you're running long distances and I'm sure with triathlons as well. Yeah, 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 and triathlon especially, you just eat the energy for such a long duration. Just today, I did a for almost four-hour bike, and I was taking in a lot of Morton to keep me fueled, and I didn't feel tired too much in the end. That's great. So yeah, I'll have to buy yeah. some of those. But yeah, yeah. I think to finish off the preparation, I, I really try to focus on sleep before and embrace jitters. I, I try to listen to music I love, do stretching, get get my body loosened up the morning of and just get excited. Do you do a little there. jog before your races or do you go I'll to the do, starting line? 
I, I don't do a full jog, but I'll do some movements with stretching and just moving around. So I guess I'll jog in place a lot and do some jumping jacks and just feeling yeah. loose. Um, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I do the exact same. I Maybe I'm being naive, but when I see people jogging right before the race, I'm always like, what are they doing? Like, yeah, you're yeah. just I getting your legs like tired. They're going to be tired. <laughs> <laughs> also, I find like, people yeah. that run a lot like the day before, I'm like, oh, I wouldn't recommend that, but everyone's no. different. So, But actually, like for triathlon training now, um, I learned, why people do run the day before it's also just to tell your body that something big is coming it's called like the activation so because you're in your taper phase and then your body thinks oh i don't have any more training i can rest and with this run the day before you tell your body something big is coming so you activate it and the body knows okay i have to perform the next day yeah i actually have heard that I'm always too But... afraid to do it. If my race on Sunday, usually my last run is on Wednesday, maximum yeah. Thursday. I, I'm the same, Bruno. I'm like, I've got this. I know I can do it. So mm -hmm. I may as well rest and feel recharged. Mm -hmm. yeah. One other question. Do you listen to music on your races? I do. Uh, I love music. I'm such a music person. And songs remind me of places, people. I find it super enjoyable. I know it's not for everyone, but it really, it, it provides me with a lot of energy. Relate to that. I always make sure to have like my favorite tracks that I know yeah. are coming at some point. And then they always bump me up. It's really yes. nice. And I you speed like, up a bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Every finish line, of an important song has always come up when I'm about to finish. So I feel like it's a fun thing to remember songs of certain races when you're finishing. Yeah, I enjoy that. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you have one in mind? I love John Mayer in my last marathon in Sydney, last train home. I don't know if you guys know that song, but it came on and like I'm obsessed with him. I've always loved him. So it was like a cool ending that I love that song. I love the artist. So it's finishing my last marathon, which was fun. I guess very emotional. This is going to sound crazy, but the first half marathon I ever ran in my life, which was 2013, the first marathon I did, which was 2016, I finished with the same song. Oh, it was It's My Life that, from Bon Jovi. Um, yeah, of course. Oh, my God. I cried so, so much both oh, times. I, <laughs> I can imagine. In a moment. Yeah, like music always brings like certain things out and feelings and emotions. And when it comes on, you remember a certain time. So it's yeah. really powerful. Did you oh, cry shit. at all your uh, finish lines, Kate? I definitely cried at certain finish lines, but also throughout the race when I feel something. Yeah. Not obviously crying a ton, but I think every race at certain points I had tears, happy tears, of course. Yeah. And do you get the runner's high in, in oh, your training sure. or your races? Yeah. I feel like I reach runner's high when I don't feel like I'm running. Like, yeah. I love the runs where you go out and you're... You just, you're like, wow, I didn't even realize I was running. I was just enjoying being in nature and just feeling like really happy. I guess it's when you're like in the flow state and you're yeah. just so in the doing of the activity that you don't even think about what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. I find long distance running a great time to think through things that I need to think through. I think everyone meditates in different ways. I find like a lot of times running is like a good meditation for me can totally relate to that. And you mentioned um, right in the beginning of our conversation how 
you think that running can actually help you in your day-to-day life, like having energy for your work. I would love to close in into this specifics of managing work and and Mm -hmm. getting this training in because I think a lot of people shy away from doing these endurance races mostly because they think it's not possible if they have a super demanding job but I would love to demystify that and I think you're a good example can you let us know a little bit how it goes for you how demanding is your job and how do you make sure that you make time for the training Amazon's pretty demanding I do travel for work so that can make training hard, especially when I'm getting up super early. And in the winter, you can't get up at four and do a run. It's too cold and dark. But I think because partially I'm remote, I'm able to squeeze in runs in the mornings. I really prefer to run in the morning. It's harder for me in the winter just because it's really cold here. It's been super cold this winter. But I think if you can get the training done first thing, it always helps me with just being focused. I think the greatest thing about getting your training done in the morning is you've already accomplished one huge thing in your day. It's not hanging over you. Things are going to come up in the day. You're going to have things come up at work that you're going to have to do. And I think getting that done first thing is super powerful. I think just for accomplishment, but also for being able to focus on what's in front of you for that day. It always makes me feel energized. So yeah. I prefer that. I agree. Also, I know that a lot of times maybe you wake up and you're not feeling it. So you just have to schedule it in at some point when you can. I feel like this too. The best feeling is when you're in the office and you start working and you know you already did your run and you feel very calm and you can focus. Yeah. And you're Um, like, oh, I ran 15 miles. I mean, people are like... yeah dragging their feet into work it makes you it definitely makes you feel accomplished and yeah but but then also one thing I learned is not to be too strict if you set a, a run in the morning you wake up and you really feel like too tired to just move it around and not be too strict on yourself I'm the same way and I think that you have to listen to your body to forcing mm-hmm. yourself a little out of the laziness part. But if you're really not feeling up for it, then listening to your body. So finding that balance is important. Yeah. Yes. So what recommendation would you give to somebody that's listening now who wants to get into running but thinks I have a demanding job and a lot of social engagements? Do you have some tips to get started? Start off slow and enjoy the process. I think if you start mixing in some runs, some strength, and just keeping to a routine, building the habits, trying to focus on week to week, day to day, and reaching towards a goal instead of getting overwhelmed by the big picture. And I really think planning out your weeks is super helpful. I think both like just professionally, but also from like an endurance standpoint, looking ahead at what you have and where you can fit things in and also just making sure you're giving your body the rest it needs to and not trying to overdo it. I think those are very good advices. Kate, I read a quote where you said that you separate the race in three parts. If you could elaborate, I think it's really nice mental strategy on breaking down your race. Yeah, I I love to read quotes before, like both from like my grandfather, but also just running quotes. I love to find inspiration and 
I found this quote before I did the the Santiago marathon and I actually shared it with Isadora, Bruna's sister. Mm-hmm. And it's splitting the race into thirds. And it was Isadora's first half marathon when she came to run in Santiago with me when I did that marathon. And I told her it was, it's splitting into thirds. You run the first third with your mind. So you try to be smart. Don't go out too fast and just use all what you've learned throughout your training. You run the second third with your personality. So I think it's that that part. It's obviously the middle of the race. Have fun. And just show more of your personality. And then the last third with your heart, which I think is really powerful because you're like really having to use grit and push through. And if you follow it, your heart can take you to the end. Amazing. I think that's a very nice quote or saying to leave it off here. Thank you for having me. And it was so fun to share insight and stories and relive it. When I talk about it, it gets me super excited about racing to come. Thank you so much for tuning in to Human Endurance. We hope you have enjoyed this episode and felt inspired by Kate's story. If you like the show, don't forget to rate it and hit the subscribe button whatever you're listening to it. This helps us to reach a bigger audience and get other humans to hear the inspiring stories we have to share. In fact, if you know of someone who would also enjoy listening to Kate's story, go ahead and share this episode with them. Thank you and see you next time.